Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, been really warm here, not as warm in other parts of the country. And uh, I'm excited to have Drew Nepley with me today. I think you guys remember him. We we had him on back in June, and uh, him and I also did, did an old podcast together, Tonic Accord. Lots of fun discussions over the years. We also, I guess we were kind of dorm mates, Drew, freshman year of college, technically kind mm-hmm. of. Dorm mates, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. We were like connected bathroom roommates kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so we... Drew works uh, out in the East Coast now in something adjacent to politics, I guess you could say. And uh, and I'm out here in the West Coast, so it's kind of a, a time zone um, overlap here. So, Drew, how are you? Are you cold? Doing well. Doing Well, I'm staying warm inside my apartment, but outside <laughs> it's cold. Uh, coming from Southern California, I'm not used to all the snow that DC's getting. But it's kind of the first of the winter. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to like actually like brush off my car and stuff for the first time. Yeah, I have a I have a buddy in Bozeman, um, and I got a picture from him, and it was a wind chill of negative forty five right now, which I don't even know what that feels like. I don't know if I've experienced that, but it looks like the the West Coast is not getting this, but everywhere else is freezing their asses off. Um, so good times. I mean, I mean, it's not nearly as cold as like like in the mid the Midwest is like negative twenty. I'm just at like just below freezing, so I'm basically uh, I'm basically snuggling compared to how they are. Iowa, for example, tonight at the caucus. Yeah, I, I, my Packers beat the Cowboys last night. This is a total side note, but I was celebrating. I had too many beers after that. Uh, good, good night. Uh, not great morning today, but anyways, um, I kind of wish the Cowboys had to go to Green Bay last night because that would have been because the Cowboys are a dome team. They play inside. That would have been <laughs> would have been ugly to see. But <laughs> it was uh, a pretty ugly of a game. I mean, the Packers are insane. Yeah, I was. It was a really good day. That's all I can say. <laughs> I was, was going to do some reading during the like ha- or during the commercial breaks and stuff, and I was just sitting there, just like, "Holy crap!" Just appalled in shock, you know. So. Yeah, that was. Uh, look, I'm as an Eagles fan. I always like it when the Cowboys lose, so I'll take it. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the America's team thing for the Cowboys. To be completely honest, because I feel like most of America okay. hates the Cowboys. I agree. I agree, <laughs> and it should be that way. Yeah. So, so would you rather dive into domestic stuff first uh, or international? I'll, I'll leave that to you. What sounds more fun to start? Well, we already talked a little bit about the Midwest, so we could talk about the caucus, which is happening right now, actually, right? It's uh, currently going on. Yeah, I, I have the thing pulled up here. It, well, you know, it's it, I think it just started literally like 10 minutes ago, right? So that'll yeah. be interesting to see. I mean... Here I'll I'll pose a question to you. Um, have you heard of the the idea of the Potomkin Village? It's like this this um, Catherine the Great had a general in Russia, and he wanted to impress her, so he wanted to like invade Crimea and like build all these villages and like colonialize the Russian Empire. And he ran out of money and kind of sucked at his job. But Catherine the Great wanted to come and see what he did. So they built all these like fake little villages along the way that were you know, made out of plaster. No one lived in them, but she would come along the river and it looked, it looked good. Right. And so it, it's kind of this idea of a facade that you're trying to impress people with. And in politics, it's kind of um, this idea to provide an external facade or situation. So people believe things are going well. And I feel like this whole Republican primary is just a Potomkin village. Like we're watching Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis debate 
like 2008 taxes and Trump's just going away with it. Like, do you think there's any actual primary going on right now? I mean, I mean, no. I mean, Trump's had such a significant lead without even participating in any of the debates. Each debate got less and less viewership as it went on, whereas like Trump's town hall beat the last Republican debate. They were happening simultaneously, right? It was Nikki Haley and DeSantis, and I think they got half as many of the viewers as Trump's personal town hall. So it's like the guy doesn't even need to participate, uh, and he's running away with it. Now, he, he has started to attack Nikki Haley a little bit more recently because she's in second, but I don't think it's any like real threat. And um, that's an interesting analogy, like the, the Temkin village of like everything standing up, you know, gets like a facade. Uh, it does feel like that. Every time you hear this analysis about this battle for a second, they always have to always caveat both. But, but again, they're, they're immensely behind Trump. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what is even the point? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, like, so some of these people are trying, trying to vie for cabinet positions, probably not DeSantis, Nikki Haley, probably not, but she, she might want to be VP. But, like, you know, that's all political hogwash. It's not a real competition. And Trump's going to take it away, and the Republican Party is amazing. It's a, it's a bit amazing how much of a hold Trump has been able to with, retain over the Republican Party after all these years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe later we can get into all my dark, all the all the darkness I see growing there. But no, you're right. I mean, also, I feel like with Iowa, it's all about retail politics and connecting with the voters and stuff. And also, it's cold as crap right now. And so you're actually having to get people out on a Monday night to like ditch their cooking or getting ready for the workday. And do you think anyone's going to go get excited to go waste their evening to go sit in a room to tell people they support DeSantis? You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. is kind of a cult, I feel like at this point. So like those people will go for Trump no matter what. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, even anecdotally, I was watching some pre-coverage of like the caucus and just they were going in line to random folks. And like four out of five were saying that they were going to vote for Trump. Uh and that they came out, you know, like, and they didn't, didn't bother them about the weather that they cared about, you know, issues like the border was one of the top ones I heard. But, like, they were pretty gung-ho about Trump, and they didn't seem bothered by the weather. So, yeah, it seems like that cult of personality, as far as the primary, is enough to bring out the voters, right? And so it's this, like, with the, right now, with the current Republican Party, Donald Trump supporters are just going to drive the narrative. But it's like, does that get get him through the general? We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I I saw a pretty funny thing where I, I guess Trump said something to the effect of, "It's cold. Come out to get me. If some of you pass away, it's better for the cause." Or, or it's like you're still part of the cause. And it reminded me of Lord Farquaad and Shrek or something when he's like, "Some will die, but it's good for me." And like, it was just yeah, the most it's absurd. The fast sacrifice he's willing to make. Yeah. <laughs> he's he is such a hero man i mean like he he gave a speech in iowa where he was like i don't have to be here you know i i could be in my golf course but i'm here because i have to be and it's it's it blows my mind how many people love that message it's like i hate you but i'm here because i have to see you i don't look up to you at all you're all just voting for me you're all sheep i guess yeah i mean yeah, I, I don't have to. I mean, he's been saying that for like years, right? The whole like, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and they'd still vote for me. Like, he's always been very arrogant about his supporters. But 
is he, I mean, I don't know. It's just funny. They're all kind of saying these crazy things. Like Vivek already today has claimed fraud. Like I think it was at 4 p.m. and he was already claiming fraud because someone like left him off a ballot or something. Um, <laughs> or like he was, he was left off like an ABC poll. And so, and, and then he was like, so they're leaving me off the ballot. It's like, no, that was like a local news poll. It wasn't the ballot. Um, <laughs> uh, Ron DeSantis' wife, Casey DeSantis, was encouraging moms and grandmoms to come from out of state to vote in the caucus because they apparently could. But then the Republican Party of Iowa clarified after that, like, no, you have to be a resident of Iowa to caucus. So it's pretty wild how, like, everyone's getting in these last desperate attempts to just gain any sort of Iowa, you know, any sort of support they can in the last final moments. <laughs> I, I love the DeSantis one. That's fun, isn't it? And it... <laughs> It seems to me at this point, we're in this weird moment where if you're like a never Trumper or like a center right person, you already aren't voting probably for any of these people. And if you are, maybe Nikki Haley. But like, it, it just seems like there's just not a lot of hope left for any alternative because it's either like you're going to vote for Trump. Maybe you were, you know, you were toying around with DeSantis for a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're, you're like, well, I still like Trump. DeSantis is my number two. It's like if you already think Trump is crazy and you didn't vote for him in 2020 or 2016, the, you're probably not a Republican anymore, to be completely honest. Like like all the like Bill Kristol, you know, neocons, they're all like big Biden supporters now. And like they're all like working with CIA level Democrats, you know, and like they've kind of created a new realignment, it seems like, where it's kind of this establishment center movement. And so I, I feel like. I feel like this is just Trump's kind of cult of personality at this point. Yeah, I mean, one 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 point to that is I think I saw a poll, and again, it's just one poll, but I saw a poll that said 40% of Nikki Haley supporters would consider voting for Biden if Trump's the nominee. Like, there are a lot of people, especially I have to imagine maybe like suburban women that would support a Haley on the right, but wouldn't support a Donald Trump. And either if Donald Trump is a nominee, would vote for Biden, and that was where that 40% came from, or maybe just not show up at all, which is probably hurts Trump, you know? So mm -hmm. it's this, it's, 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 it's like this weird catch 22 where like, he's going to take this primary, but he's going to run into issues in the general. Not to say that Biden isn't going to run into issues, issues himself in the general. He's also has, you know, like consumer inflation, like people's grocery prices are very high. That affects the ton of people. People are worried about the border and he's old as hell. So like Biden's going to have his own problems, but Trump is just like a pill that people already swallow that they don't like. Um, <laughs> so I just don't see, I just don't see like, you know, and he's going to have to get nasty again because especially because he's like dealing with all these charges coming up um, and like this and New York fraud trial just ended today and waiting like an announcement on that like so he's going to run into a lot of road bumps really soon he's going to get not going to have to get nasty again people are just aren't going to like that people are tired of that um, yeah. even, even my Republican family members are like Ugh, I just don't want any more Trump like uh, uh, look, they don't like Biden at all but they really don't like Trump either so you know who's, what's going to I don't know what's going to happen with that yeah it seems like a campaign of just exhaustion on both sides where it it I I honestly think if you ran that ran the twenty twenty four election like ten times, it could be a coin flip. Like you know, there, there's so many iterations of how it happens because 
it's like in 2020, Trump is so in the limelight. He's fucking up COVID, all of that. People are just like, okay, we need something new. Biden seems sane. Trump's been gone for a while. And Sarah Longwell, who does a lot of polling, she always talks about how a lot of independents haven't really wrapped their head around that it's going to be Trump or Biden yet. And so it does seem like maybe once that reality steps in, people, I mean, some might still vote for Trump just because they'll use the economy. Like there was a troubling CBS poll where it said like, I think it was 60% of Republicans said the economy was more important than democracy. So like there, there are troubling dynamics where you could see kind of an acceptance of authoritarian tendencies, as long as, you know, the individual is more protected, which I don't argue, I don't think they would down the road, but it, it, it seems like we'll see if people really care about crazy or our institutions or their perception of each candidate. So like it, it's going to be, um, it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be, well, yeah, it's going to be rough. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot of boogeyman tactics from both sides. Like you mm-hmm. can already see it, right? Like Biden, Biden is saying, you know, Trump's the largest threat to democracy in recent history. Um, you know, dude, I, another thing too, man, is like when I, now that I live in DC and you talk to people that were around on January 6th, it was from, you know, like jarring for these people, the people that live in this city that saw that happen here, like people come from outside and like knock down the doors on like, so, you know, it's interesting now that I'm living, I didn't experience it, but now that I am living here, I've talked to people that have, and they were like, oh, that was one of the darkest days in the city's history. Like, it's crazy. So, um, but that's people that live here think that. Um, Obviously Trump's fan base doesn't think that, you know, Trump just recently called them the J6 hostages, people that, were imprisoned for their, um, you know, crimes that day. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be like boogeyman tactics. So Trump is going to be like, you know, Joe Biden, the liberal Democrats are going to take us down socialism, communism, yada, yada, yada. And then they're going to let the border be flooded with potential terrorists. And then and then Biden's going to have to rely on you don't want Trump again. Because uh, he, just, he, he just has a, Biden just has a really big problem with communicating his wins. And it's very easy to point at some of his losses. Um, so he's going to have to play boogeyman tactics of like, look, I suck, I know, but you don't want Trump again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I feel like the democracy thing, I feel like it's sort of backfiring on Biden just a little bit. You know, basically his main argument is that MAGA is a threat to our institutions and democracy. And to me, it's a bit of a problem because, like you said, the other side is using it as well. And it's showing kind of a division, just like a schism almost in what we value as democracy. And so it's really not a winning argument to people that already are on the Republican side on this, right? Like, because if you believe the election was stolen, if you believe it's a witch hunt against Trump with all these court cases, then you believe that our institutions are being illiberal already, which I don't subscribe to that idea. But I just feel like you need a better case than just democracy. Because most people aren't just sitting like you and I talking about this right now. Like, you know, it's it's a pretty abstract argument. And I think it was Brett Stevens, who's kind of a never Trump Republican. He had a good piece in, New- in the New York Times that was kind of called the case that Trumpers have for Trump. And it was kind of just looking in into that a little bit. And I, yeah, I, I just think like Biden, I mean, I don't know. It's a little late now to art, but the economy is improving and there's a lag, but inflation is doing better, you know, but it's hard to just show that to the American people. Yeah, and well, what is, uh, to your point earlier about um, like the institutions 
it's you're, you're right that it's hard to make the argument that like look like i i'm going to value democratic institutions when like not either side left nor right is like really in down our institutions right now you know i think i think it's like a vast majority of the country thinks it's going in the wrong direction if you poll america like is america going in the right direction or the wrong direction it's like over 70 percent said the wrong direction now what that means could mean a, a billion things right i'm you know, a leftist could think it's going in the wrong direction and a right winger could think it's going in the wrong direction for completely different things. But no one really has a lot of faith in our institutions right now. So it is, you're right, it's a weird way to frame your campaign of like, I'm the defender of American democracy and institutions. And it's like, you know, now you get people on the far left that think Biden is messing up Israel and Palestine war, right? That they don't think he's a upholder of good institutions. So and that's a, that's a, that's you know that's another like attack from a whole other side of the political wing that he has to face now. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm <laughs> curious to see if this is going to have a higher turnout than 2020 or less. I would argue less because of burnout, but I maybe more just. It's really tough to say because like all the crazy crap that's kind of kind of going on right now. Like people feel like there's a lot of change that needs to happen and. Things aren't like easy in the world right now, but I don't know. It's tough to say. Well, it's kind of tough going off of that is like Trump has convinced a lot of his base that elections are stolen and rigged and don't matter. So I actually think Iowa is going to show us how much turnout he gets because he's been telling people to show up because he he doesn't want to come in, in between 10 points and 15 with Nikki Haley. He wants to win by 30 because right. I I think if we see turnout kind of low in this, it could be troubling for Republicans because, yeah, like you remember before January 6th when he told people in Georgia, just don't go out and vote for for the Senate seat. Like right. and then Mike Lindell's on these missions trying to prove that it doesn't even matter to vote like his cyber symposiums or whatever. Like it's like this could backfire as well. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, yes, it is a kind of an interesting like. Yes, he's gonna he's gonna claim it's a rig, but also want everyone to vote. But he only <laughs> wants to win. Um, but what you what you did mention a little bit that he wants to have a a killer night and he wants to have a lot of momentum, and that's certainly true. And I think he is poised to like potentially have a historic lead. Uh, I don't think um, like caucus, like caucuses when it's this many candidates and not an incumbent tend to not be such a blowout they tend to be a little bit closer right. in fact i think 2016 it was ted cruz that won the iowa mm-hmm. caucus above trump um so you know i think trump is looking to get a huge win and if he does get a historic win his campaign is probably going to blast that everywhere and really promote the narrative that there's this huge momentum even if overall turnout is down so we'll have to see if it's up even with the blizzard and then, oh man, maybe there really is some momentum here. But if it's down and then, you know, you just take into account the weather, they're just going to, um, they're going to use the margin as their biggest indicator of their momentum and probably spew that everywhere in news articles tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, going off of that, yeah, I think in 2008, it was Mike Huckabee that won Iowa. Obviously McCain goes on to win. 2012, it was Santorum. Obviously uh, Romney goes on to win the, Right. And Ted Cruz, like you said, in 2016. And so if Trump can win this now, it's kind of a it's a big showing because he's pissed off Governor Reynolds. He's pissed off evangelicals and not even taking the endorsement of big leaders in the state like he's thrown the whole process just upside down. And so if he can still win this, 
I think it shows that the Mike Pence like elevation of Trump, like the endorsement that Mike Pence gave Trump in 2016 is basically complete and they don't even need an evangelical anymore to kind of win these states because Trump's just kind of become the vessel of this movement where they see him as almost a defender of religious values, even if he's amoral, you know, like I think that transition's complete. That's true. That's an astute observation. You're right. They don't, they don't need a, uh, they certainly don't need a Mike Pence. I think what they'll probably need is someone to bring in like suburban women. They don't need an evangelical vote. That's locked for Trump. That's for sure. That's a good point, but they're going to need someone to be, you know, that core middle ground for that, like suburban women, college educated Republican women. And you can even see it in some of his rhetoric where Trump is a little less intense on the abortion bills, right? He's even saying, like, if they get the mistake and six weeks is pretty intense, right? <laughs> so he's like, you can tell, like, you know, and as a guy who's, um, I don't want to be too vulgar, but as a guy who's probably likely paid for abortions himself uh, at some point in his life, I have to imagine he wouldn't be that strict on that kind of thing. Um, but I, I don't know if you want to get into it, but I am starting to see some results come in and Trump yeah. is significantly ahead. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, what are you seeing here? Um, I, I'm looking at just like Republican caucus at the, with caucus voters. Donald Trump at 238, DeSantis at 49, Nikki Haley at 17. Yeah, I'm Maybe seeing that 30. too. Oof. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's obviously just barely getting stuff in, but that's quite a lead to start. Who Who the hell is Ryan Binkley? I've been seeing him pop up. He's he's beating Asa Hutchinson, by the way. But um, he. Yeah, I think he's like a pa- he's like a mega church pastor from Texas, but he <laughs> he did a last minute splash in Iowa to see if he could do it, and he's running on like a like he's gonna he he says he can pull in Democrats, which I don't think he could. But uh, <laughs> yeah, mega church said, pastor doesn't really um, scream Democrats to me, but <laughs> yeah, I I think he's not even really like I think he's a write-in. Now, but he did he did like a big media splash in Iowa in the last minute, but um, I don't think it's enough to do. I, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to do at all. Maybe write a book. Maybe just promote his megachurch. Yeah, I mean, so I, I want to ask you about Nikki Haley in a minute, but looking at Ron DeSantis here, like, so he's up on Nikki Haley. Obviously, it's early. What what happens if he beats Nikki Haley in Iowa? Because I think it's written in stone that if he loses to Nikki Haley, he he has to save his political future and get out of this, right? Like, Someone said that, um, that I forget who it was, but but, but there, there was a leak from his campaign that said we're basically just trying to make the patient comfortable. <laughs> oh, I mean, he has been. I mean, he's had one of the most expensive primary ones run ever. Like he's been blowing through super pack money like no one's business. Um, you know, uh, uh, he's already had a couple scandals with his campaign where he's like hired a kid who made a neo-Nazi meme. Yeah. And that's not a huge scandal. It's enough to be, I mean, to me, it's not a huge scandal. So there's maybe someone else that is, but it's like, of course, of course what happens. Any intern on, um, any intern for a right-wing campaign like that's going to have some weird memes. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, yeah, I don't know how you salvage it, though. Like, because if one is, Florida has problems of his own. He probably doesn't want to go back to Florida's issues. It has one of the highest, like, um, cost of life increases in the last few years, including a huge issue with insurance down there, which California is also experiencing, but both California and Florida are having problems and no one can get their homes insured for different disasters in, in California's wildfires and in Florida's hurricanes. And uh, it's just making it very hard to live. It's not the retirement escape, the cheap retirement escape that it used to be 
And DeSantis has to do something about it. So, and if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't go full board in the presidency and comes back a wounded goat, people are going to chew him up. They're like, dude, you just spent all that time and money doing all that, like wasting your time with the presidency when no one wanted you anyway. And now it's like, come on, fix our state, man. And he, he might have some issues. Even, even, even like Florida Republicans that are like, yeah, I like DeSantis, but I still want Trump first. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to have to answer to that. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting point. Also, Haley, it was slated by some pundits I saw to do better in New Hampshire. I was a little bit more of like, was going to go towards DeSantis. Um, I have to imagine maybe it's because it's more agrarian, more rural. New Hampshire has a little bit more like suburbia involved, uh, more college educated in New Hampshire than Iowa. So Mickey Haley might be better there. So he might have yeah, to New Hampshire's well. Yeah, New Hampshire's more of a kind of libertarian more neo like it's kind of a mix of like libertarian and more neoconservative kind of values i mean governor sununu who i actually think is fine like he's he's one of what i would call the rational republicans like he's a former engineer who's just like kind of a bush era republican right so i mean new hampshire has like a lot of like it, it has a weird overlap with vermont and a lot of the northeast in terms of kind of weird politics that don't appeal to kind of the maga stuff. And so I I think she I think she could actually I I don't want to say win because Trump also appeals to that kind of libertarian wilderness vibes as well in a sense because he can overlap, you know. So I don't know, but she could win in in New Hampshire. I I genuinely believe that. She certainly has a better chance of getting second there which <laughs> would, would 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 put would put some um, you know, put some would slow DeSantis's momentum if anything. Um but that said, again, we're still talking about battle for second, right? Like, yeah. yes, Haley may be New Hampshire, but oof, still. Um, I did a podcast and, called um, "The DeSantis and Haley are debating taxes while on, on the uh, on the deck of the Titanic." Like, that's pretty much, you know, like as it's sinking, they're like MAGA's already the iceberg; it's over, and, and they're just debating like gas taxes from the Obama era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know. Uh, or like estate estate taxes, which is like no one even really gets affected by that, you know. And yeah, whereas Trump is saying things like people are flooding over your border and to ruin your country, um, and which he's always been saying. He just he just continues to, um, and at, at a time where the border crisis is on a lot of people's minds, that's going to get me more attention. What do you think about Nikki Haley? I'm not talking about polling. I'm just talking about like as a candidate and what she wants, because like she, cause she kind of troubles me. I think she's going to potentially be Trump's VP. I, I genuinely believe that. I think if I was, I mean, personally, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I think she's like boring and like, I don't think people want what she's selling, which is <laughs> like, she keeps, keeps saying like, you know, cut through the chaos, no more chaos. I will be stable. I have like the diplomatic experience. And uh, it just doesn't seem like people want that, um, obviously. But I do think if I was also on the Trump campaign as a consultant, I could see here as the way to get back some suburban women and pull back that from Biden. Again, that stat about 40 percent of Haley voters might go to Biden. That's 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 not insignificant. You know, if she's picking up 10, 50 percent of your GOP base. Uh, just for the sake of conversation, extrapolate that out to the general populace. Um, and then 40% of that goes to Biden. 
you know, that's four or five percent that can swing a couple of states, especially suburban states, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's enough women in suburban Georgia to go back over and, and stay on the Trump Haley side. So she's she is I think represents the weakness. Like she could fix a weakness for Trump, which is like his ability to appeal to suburban women because of his vibe, uh, which was well documented as a problem in the last election. Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. And like, I have a theory that Chris Christie would have dropped out sooner, but he had that hot mic moment that I think was very telling of he I think he wanted to endorse Nikki Haley. But after her civil war comments and after her inability to condemn Trump and Trump's weird, weird silence on attacking her very much, which is one of the reasons why I think he's keeping the door open for something with her. But I think Christie really wanted to drop out and endorse her. But I now think it's more likely he would endorse Biden than he would endorse any of them because and and, and her I think she's a coward because she I genuinely agree with her foreign policy stuff, except for Israel. She wants to level Gaza. Not not good for that. But like the Ukraine stuff, I think she's very correct on. But she just won't speak up. It, like So it seems to me like she doesn't want to be completely kicked out of the door of the MAGA movement. And so Christy's like, fuck no, we're not. We're, we're you know, she's not ready. I don't know. It, that's a, yeah, that's a good observation that he, because like that hot bug moment, he was like, she's toast, right? Or like, she's screwed something like that and then he was talking about how little he spent compared to how much he spent for the weight and family about yeah i saw i saw a little bit about that quote yeah i mean you, that, i could i i can see what you mean because she did have that awful civil war comment which was so silly like you just like why would you ever even just say slavery is bad like it's not that hard like it's even trump said can, slavery yeah just say slavery is bad like how is that hard to say as a politician um <laughs> crazy <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Chris Christie. I think you're right. Chris Christie even said um, in his final words that he would do everything to avoid Trump getting power. And if he thinks that Nikki Haley could eventually be on the Trump team, then yeah, he's not going to endorse her, and probably endorse Biden. Chris Christie. I never was a serious candidate for the nomination, though. But it's good that he was at least there as a, a voice of trying to go against the Trump narrative. But man, the people not want to hear it. I mean, he called three no. percent. That's nothing. That's stupid. That's pointless. Yeah, the only um, there, there's a special category of Republicans like the Liz Cheney's and him, the ones that early on were Trump supporters who kind of saw the light. And I and they're the only ones I truly respect at this time because they've crossed that Rubicon completely. You know, the Adam Kinzinger's and the ones that have just said, like, no. I, but they're a dying breed. I mean, you know, not not to make a pun here, obviously, my John McCain did actually pass away, which was kind of the beginning of the end of that wing. Mitt Romney is now retiring. Um, you know, there's like a lot of these like never Trumpers that are like no longer going to be in politics. And even even in a not exactly never Trumper sense, but even in like a like Kevin McCarthy getting ousted, you know, and like he he was supposed to be the link. Right. He was supposed to be the link between the the sane Republicans, as some people call, you know, I, what you would, uh, you and I would probably call sane Republicans and like the Trump wing, he was supposed to link them together. They, they killed him for it. So, you know, even that, in that sense, it's a dying breed. Your, your wing of the Republican Party is on a, you know, it's not doing so hot, man, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm no longer a Republican. I'm just, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm in no man's land. I've, I've dropped the center, 
the the center right label. I'm just I'm just out there in the void somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I I think I'd be, yeah. it's hard to find a home these days. It's hard to find a home in modern politics. Yeah, I mean, okay. The last the last thing I, on the domestic thing is okay. When when Trump got or when the Colorado Supreme Court said he could be taken off the ballot, they put out a poll the next day from Gallup that showed 83% of Americans agreed with the decision, including 40% of Republicans. This is just me completely like throwing stuff at the wall here. But I wonder if that poll could actually be illustrative of how America feels about Trump, generally speaking. And I wonder if that's enough for him to lose in 2024. Just again, this is just kind of a one poll showing American opinion on that decision to take him off the ballot. Yeah, I mean, that is a pretty impressive, like 40 percent of Republicans think that like that is higher than I would have thought. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, how that poll was done, because that's even that even that seems high. Uh, I wonder if that was was that just Colorado in Colorado for that decision. OK. Yeah. Interesting. Because I do think, you know, because now you already have it as like a political wedge issue of like Republicans trying to get Biden put off the Pennsylvania ballot. Uh, Democrats trying to take Trump off other ballots. You know, and I, I while I understand why, I know I can see the legal reason why, I think it was a little preemptive. Like, I think we should wait till he's convicted of some of these things and then take them off the ballot. So then that you have a lot more legal ammo behind you to be like, look, the guy's actually like a felon. So like, you know, whatever, especially the Georgia ones. Like, yeah, he did actually in, in help instigate an insurrection. Um, but you kind of, it'd be nice to have those done before doing the ballot thing. But then obviously some of those primaries would already be passed by then. So it's a tough one for the legal situation. I just worry that it, it gives some people ammo to be like, they are just taking him away. They are just not giving him a chance. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I just want to make sure it's like legally buttoned up. But surprised that many people support it. And damn, maybe it's just go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but then of course that 40% of Republicans, do they still vote for him anyways once he's on, you know, like that just is their opinion of should he be on the ballot. But I, I personally know people that would say that and then still vote for him because he's not Biden, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. And also I'm, I'm with you. I think MAGA is a political problem. It came in through elections and it's, it's a political movement and you can't use our courts to get rid of it. I, I just don't think it's really possible. And I, of course it seems like the politics aren't ready to get rid of it either, but I just don't know if taking him off the ballot solves any of this. It just maybe makes us more divided. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I want, I wonder like, you know, what, I mean, Colorado isn't exactly, Colorado is like somewhat purplish, but like, if you really had like, you know, a, a Georgia or Ohio take them off the ballot, then you're really talking, okay, what's like, people are going to be really upset and like, if you can really make sure that that's like, what is, is every legal requirement for this to happen fulfilled because it needs to be rock solid. And so if it is a serious thing to take off a person's ability to vote for someone, but also, you know, January 6th was a serious thing. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. And so I wonder how all these things are kind of back to bite I think there's been a lull in the uh, court stuff, right? We all got the, the mug shot last year as a big hype. And then it kind of died down because like, it's just, he's just going through all the processes. Um, 
But once some of these start to really hit home, it's like, you know, uh, not just indictments, but convictions and sentences, then I, th I think we'll start to see how much attached people really are to Trump. Because yeah. I do think if he is convicted of a ton of these, like if, if he starts to get just absolutely slapped down by sentencing, it, it will affect his polling. It, 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 not amongst his most diehard supporters, but independents for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I mean, I think we have to remember, too, is that if he's elected president again, it's a it's probably not going to be the same country in four years. Like, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough to my progressive friends that are now saying they won't vote for him because of Israel and Palestine, which I actually argue the Biden administration is trying very hard to 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 stop Netanyahu's craziness. I, I kind of die on that hill, but that's a whole but. I, I think that, I mean, Trump, literally his attorneys are arguing in a D.C. circuit court that that he has executive immunity over pretty much everything, including killing political opponents. And he also has talked about Russia, China, North Korea. They're not our biggest enemies. It's the deep state. It's the Democrats. It's the vermin. It's illegal immigrants. Like, I don't think he's a fascist. I've never liked the MSNBC like Trump's a fascist. But he is, he reminds me of like a military dictator of like a moderately wealthy African country where he, he wants to maintain power and would do very bad things with the state's resources. And, and I, I think it would be a pretty unstable time if he's president again. I mean, even the fact that just the, the fact that you know, he'd likely pardon himself would, is creating such a like constitutional knot that it, like it'd be you know historic for all the wrong reasons i think uh you know a president pardoning himself like something that i don't think the founding fathers even really imagined would happen uh it's very likely to be something that could happen soon um and that alone is like if the president can pardon himself then what can't they do you know that is that is a second if he if, if he argues if you're able to successfully argue that you can't pardon yourself then you basically do have executive immunity which is like that's insane to me that's a, that's like not a thing that i think should happen regardless of who's in office um which is always ironic because I've, I've seen some of those arguments from his lawyers about how powerful they think the executive branch should be and it's like okay well then What's to stop Biden from just like putting you in jail? Like, why would you want that to be the precedent? <laughs> or just kill having the Navy SEALs go kill Trump then? Like, right? I mean, that's literally the extent of their argument. I. He was saying, yeah, because he was saying that could happen and he would have to get impeached. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the our lawyer was like, well, it wouldn't be illegal, but they would have to impeach him. Like, impeach him for using the Navy SEALs to kill? That's insane. Also, impeachment, we know, doesn't work anymore. I mean, when you have well, impeachment might, but conviction doesn't, because like when you have such a divided Senate and House, like you're it's just it's it's literally the stupidest theory to say that you use a partisan divided process to basically hope that you can hold someone accountable. <laughs> right. And you need um you need a supermajority, correct? Isn't that mm -hmm. true in the Senate? So it's like then you're definitely not going to get it. And it's, it's next to impossible. Stupid. It's so um, I will say the Iowa caucus, though, Haley has come into second above DeSantis. Oh, um, okay. Okay. And then it's already calling it for Trump, even with the early <laughs> returns, which is makes sense. 1% of Nick, votes it, in. <laughs>
Nikki Haley's making a showing. It's still very early, obviously, 1%, like you said. But if, if you're right, if, I think if Nikki Haley gets second, Ron DeSantis has got to be just toast. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's the what's the future for Ron DeSantis? Third place, lost a shit ton of money. It, everyone's he's a, he's a running joke at this point. He was Fox News darling for like four months. I heard a really good piece. I read a really good piece in the Bulwark that said all of the Ben Shapiro's and the National Reviews all went for DeSantis, and it wasn't for the people, but it was for them because they wanted to just find someone to latch onto that could morally justify their unwillingness to stand up against MAGA, but it was someone different. And so it's an interesting piece about how the elite class. Uh, of the like kind of Republican establishment all wanted him because he was an out for their moral failures with Trump. Like it was kind of interesting. Hey, they're trying to pull the reins, but the horse doesn't want to go that Mm. way anymore. They don't, they don't have to go anymore. Fox Fox News can't, Fox News is not the kingmaker it once was. You don't don't have Tucker Carlson. You don't have the Bill O'Reilly to be like kingmakers. Um, I mean, it's also funny, like Ben Shapiro would think Ron DeSantis is charismatic. Like that's like the that's the kind of personality that would like Ron DeSantis. Oh, yeah. Like I think the extremely logical one, good at debates. Like, okay, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Speaking speaking um, of Tucker, have have you seen Tucker's new stuff at all? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean I know that he interviewed Andrew Tate and then I kind of stopped paying attention. Oh, I I Somehow it'll come up on my Instagram reels or like I'll, I just happened to see random clips. And, and this guy, I think he might have overdosed on red pills because he's I mean, he's he's saying, you know, Alex Jones was now right about every I mean, he's he's gone like to a new level of online troll conspiracy theorist. It's it's almost it's, sad it's in a playing, sense. <laughs> I think he's playing to the ex audience. He's playing to that Twitter audience that like. You know, because now he's not on like a mainstream cable news network. He has a lot more probably leeway to say whatever the hell he wants. And he's playing into his new audience, which is like the whole ex-Elon Musk, anti-woke kind of crowd. Um, Yeah, it's pretty sad, honestly. It's pretty pathetic, I think, but whatever. Anyways, guys, that wraps up the first part of my conversation with Drew. The second half will, or second part will air tomorrow where we talk about Israel, Hamas, what's going on in the Middle East, cancel culture, just kind of everything related to October 7th and what's been going on next. So for now, thanks for listening. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and check out tomorrow's episode. Thank you.